Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey, Iz. Hi, Em. This episode is dedicated to Michael J. Allman Esquire, also known as the lawyer that got his shit absolutely rocked at Alexia's penthouse. <laughs> I bet he's never even been in a courtroom with that much chaos. No, no, no. He did not know what he was signing up for when he woke up that morning. I mean, the pure yelling, the echoing, him ending up with Nicole's black Amex (laughs) placed into his lap and papers thrown his way. The scene was such pure chaos for so many reasons, but I was loving it. Like it was a peak housewives moment where you just didn't know where to look. And honestly, I was just absolutely eating it up. Yeah. Let's just get right into Miami first. Yeah. Obviously I would love to. I mean, traditionally, I would say if you're comparing Alexia and Adriana, I'm more aligned with Alexia. But this episode, I really felt like justice for Adriana. You know, she spends the last three episodes basically fighting for her life that the guy she's dating isn't married. Alexia doesn't want to believe it. And then we finally get the juice of it, which is that Alexia never scrolled down to the bottom of the page to find out the facts, yet somehow (laughs) that was glazed over. (laughs) What a simple mistake. I mean, Alexia... I would say gave it a 50% owning it. Like she admitted it, but didn't really want to admit too much that she was wrong. But honestly, what really took the turn was she took him being rude to her at Nicole's party, which he was rude. Like he was making a snappy comment to her. She took that and ran with it. Like her retelling of the story at her house was completely different than what actually happened. And I think she was sort of holding on to that to sort of make herself feel better in her anger and shift direction. So she's no longer upset about the marriage thing, but now she's mad about how he treated her, which I don't blame her, but I think it was definitely like a defense mechanism. Well, it was a completely unfair conflation. And honestly, if I'm her, him being kind of rude was the best thing to ever happen. Because exactly like you said, it, it somehow took the attention off of what was honestly a pretty 
you know, stupid mistake. We all make them. Shouldn't scroll to the bottom of the screen. In any other scenario, that would be the glaring thing to discuss. But because he was a little bit of a jerk to her, she immediately was able to shift focus. And like, exactly to your point, that was a fair thing to be annoyed about. But the conflation was totally unfair, specifically if you're Adriana. Yeah. And I think Adriana felt really validated. And also like it made Alexia look like why why are you so obsessed with this? You know, like it, it went too far, I felt. No, I felt too. And honestly, it probably would have continued more if we didn't have the Larson-Nicole situation to really balance it out because that took most of the attention. That was like, oh, holy shit. That right there was quality housewives. Yes, yes. That's how I want to see my housewives' fights go down. Like eight women sitting down, surrounding a lawyer that was personally invited there to help them handle their conflicts in a gorgeous penthouse with a breathtaking view of Miami as the backdrop, with also some crocodile Birkins set up, you know, on the random windowsills with black Amexes waiting in them, and a couple of the women in Versace pants. Like that is the type of arguing I'm looking for. Oh, and a little bit of Spanish thrown in there. You know how I feel about when they speak Spanish. It really gets me going. And the reason that I love the Larsa-Nicole fight so much is because Nicole is not afraid of Larsa. She does not care how much clout she has, how long she's been on the show, who she's married to, nothing. Like She truly, I believe, to her core, is not intimidated in any way by Larsa and actually, I think, kind of looks down on her and like thinks that she's very petty and a little bit jealous of her, which I think honestly could be true. So she uses that and she does not care. And I think all the other women, not that they're scared of her by any means, but they're certainly not used to this sort of confrontation with Larsa because Larsa up until now has been almost untouchable. You know, she wasn't in a couple of the seasons in the beginning. She came back last season and she still was sort of riding on her high horse and that no longer counts when it comes to Nicole. Yeah, and something that I was really thinking about as I was watching them go at it is that obviously everyone in this group, and I think you can make the argument for any Housewives franchise, but specifically in a city like Miami, social status is something that they all care about on some level. But it depends on like what each person's most prioritized currency is. And I think that for Larsa, she really prioritizes fame and relevance, whereas for Nicole, I think that she prioritizes and values intelligence in a person. So when she's looking at you know, squaring up with Larsa, if Larsa's looking at it from like, I'm better than her because I'm potentially more relevant or more famous, I think Nicole feels like she has a leg up over Larsa purely from an intelligence standpoint. Not to say that Larsa is stupid by any means, but like objectively, I think that Nicole's the one more with the brains. And I think that that is part of the reason, not saying Nicole would be intimidated regardless. I don't think she's someone easily intimidated, but I think that's one of the reasons that she feels like she's so untouchable as compared to Larsa. Does that track for you or not really? Yeah. Yeah. I think that they just completely value different things and care about different things and honestly judge people based on really different things. I think Nicole is all about, I guess, like taste and like, I don't know, having like high polished taste and uh, like travel and culture and education. And Larsa is a lot about clout and sceniness and looks and like they just they have completely different views and that's fine like neither one is right or wrong it's just like they're never gonna see eye to eye and I don't think that they're cut out to be friends my personal favorite moment was when Larsa said something like you know I work all day like what do you even do you know I have businesses to work about 
And I just feel like Nicole's like, what are what is that clicking for you? Like, does she think that she's just cosplaying being an anesthesiologist? No, I know. And the way that I feel about it, which I don't even know if this is right as I'm saying it, I'm trying to think if it's accurate, but if you go back to last season, Larsa's biggest argument was with Adriana. And I almost feel like she defaults to that setting of coming for someone when arguing with them, which is that like, I'm above you in every way. And so forget the fame and relevance, like I just said, that I think she values. But also with Adriana, for example, Adriana wasn't married, which does not matter at all. But to Larsa, I do think that she kind of judges someone for their relationship status and like their ability to quote, keep a man kind of going back to that traditional mindset that she has. And so with Nicole, I almost feel as though she's using her old set of tricks or like her old fighting tactic. And it's just a completely different opponent and it doesn't work. Yeah. I I also think honestly, it still goes back to this original fight they had about Larsa coming to Nicole's house and Nicole saying she wanted to know her first and Larsa taking that so personally and thinking that it's about judging her or not knowing who she is when she's like, everybody fucking knows who I am. Whereas I think from Nicole's perspective, it was like, no matter who you are, if I could Google you or not, I still want to like have a relationship with people before I invite them in my home. Some people have a very open door policy. Some people invite a million people they don't know and like to have strangers and meet new people within their home. And some don't. They like to be acquaintances or friends with whoever's coming over. And I think that also, again, is just their fundamental differences and their outlooks on life that they're never going to see eye to eye unless they really sit down and talk it through, which I don't foresee happening. It's like, you are just so different in every single way and that's fine but boy you both fight dirty that is the one thing you have in common and you're even opponents i should say they're definitely even opponents i just think that to me in watching this argument i was so much more so not only rooting for nicole i was just so much more so on her side even though i didn't love i mean i know people were kind of praising her for it i didn't love the black amex moment i don't know why like I get that it would be considered a quote iconic move. I think there was something about it that actually made me feel it was disrespectful to the lawyer. Like he doesn't yeah. need your he doesn't need your credit card thrown at him. I get what it was trying to do and I, in a way it did, but I I don't know. I didn't love that. I think she should have handed the card to Alexia. Like if she had not kept him involved and sort of was like playing off the idea that she's saying, come on, I'm paying for this. This is one hour. You're wasting our time. She could have handed her card to Alexia and said, fine, charge double. She didn't need to get him involved. Like she's literally placing it in his lap and now involving him him in this argument. And he, I think, just wanted to evaporate into thin air and be like, please leave me out of this. Yeah, no, no. He was like, I (laughs) – to see their – both of the lawyers' faces, I I was laughing out loud. I feel like it was one of those things where – they walked out and they were like, what the fuck just happened? Like whiplash. I mean, imagine what he was like walking into his like four o'clock meeting. Like you guys are never going to believe the fucking <laughs> shit where I just came from. Like you are <laughs> never going to believe it. <laughs> no. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company 
For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. I mean, they're literally shooting the reunion as we speak. They even posted the seating chart, which is really interesting. And that's one conversation I think that will sort of start off the conversation all about Nicole and Larsa and all the issues they've had this season so far, which is a lot. You know, let's actually go over the seating chart for a second because Andy in the middle, the left couch, seat closest to him, number one, Lisa, then Larsa, then Alexia, then Marisol, then Kiki, the fucking girl. Right side, seat number one closest to him, Nicole, then Julia, then Adriana, then Gertie. And what I see so far in social media is people losing it that Nicole is in spot number one, which I understand. But if you think about it, based on the way that it's split up, who else from that side is going to be in the first spot? It's definitely going to be Nicole. Yeah, of course. And obviously it's going to be Lisa. I think everybody is really caught up in the old school mentality of like whoever's closest to Andy is sort of like the number one girl in the group and the most important and I just don't think it holds that weight anymore, but I do think it indicates how involved she was this season. I mean, I think even look at last season, like she was there, she was in the drama, but this is like her season in a way. I really think her and Lisa like are carrying and Larsa, but by way of Nicole are carrying the storylines of the season. And obviously they're going to put Alexia and Marisol next to each other. Obviously they're not going to put Adriana on the same couch as Alexia and Marisol and Larsa. And Gertie and Julia fall with the Adriana side. So it it totally makes sense to me. Like if I was making this myself, I would probably do it the exact same. Well, I think some people thought that, you know, the spot next to Andy isn't even necessarily the the person that has the most storylines, but a lot of times the person that's the center of the drama. And Lisa, for example, she's not the center of the cast drama, but her life is the center of the drama. So to me, I feel like it's a it's a totally 
fair split. You know, I, I, I think people were surprised that it wasn't Alexia, but if I look back at this season, to me, Lisa is far more deserving of that spot, as is Nicole. I mean, we're all here for the Lisa show. Like, I would watch 10 hours of Lisa personally. I'm into Nicole and Larsa, I'd say second tier, but nothing is as interesting to me as just hearing Lisa talk and also getting to fucking see it in real time and have her filming in the house while Lenny just walks in in his scrubs and doesn't acknowledge her. The only thing I will give Lenny is that when she said, I'm filming, he didn't stop talking, which is something like I personally was really grateful for because I feel like we got so much more insight than we would have if she was just explaining it to us. You know, it hits different. Like you really can understand the magnitude of an asshole he is when you're hearing it firsthand. Well, I think this is another moment of him being a dumbass. Like even though the camera left the room he was in, they were she was still fully mic'd and they picked up all the whole audio of their conversation. And of course she's going to be okay with it, putting it out there. I mean, not that it's necessarily up to her, but he just looks terrible again and again. He looks worse and worse every time we hear from him. And I thought this conversation was so interesting because his whole defense and his sort of angle and I guess manipulation tactic is like, you're not complying with me. I'm trying to make your life better and give you more than you ever will get from court and you want to just go straight to court. Fine. You're not going to get that much. I'm trying to give you a house. Like That was just a five-second look into what's going on. And this was fresh a month after it happened. Can you imagine what's going down now? No, but see, the thing is, I don't think it's as though Lenny saw the cameras leave the room and just thought he was no longer mic'd. I I think Lisa made it very clear that her mic was on. I think that he would fully stand by everything he was saying because to him, logistically, it makes the most sense. He was explaining it to her as if you would explain something to to a toddler and he was trying to lay it out for her. And I'm not educated enough in any sort of law, specifically divorce law, to understand if any of what he's saying is at all accurate. But to me, the part that I don't think he gets in terms of the public perception angle is like, it doesn't matter how much you're maybe technically trying to make her life easier, even if we want to believe that argument. The way you speak to her is so disrespectful and condescending. And the way you refuse to acknowledge the mother of your children in the home that your children are in, that's the core of why we all find you so disgusting. You know what I mean? Like we haven't even gotten into what you may be trying to do with the divorce because maybe there's a part of that hypothetically that is accurate. He doesn't realize that just the pure disrespect and lack of humanity he shows her is what's so off-putting. He thinks that that's totally fine as long as he's making sure that she and the kids are taken care of on some level. And it's like, that doesn't fly when you've been married to someone for this many years. He's treating her the way she should be treating him. You know, like she should be the one who's able to decide if she wants to give the silent treatment. Not this asshole just completely uprooted her whole life in the blink of an eye. Oh my God, he makes me so fucking angry. Like I I don't know how she even like can function around him. What was really sad to watch is that at least at this time – not speaking to him at all would still be more painful for her than speaking to him and being disrespected like that. Because you can yeah. tell she's continually asking. And I don't think that was just because she was mic'd and wanted the audience to see how much of a dick he was. Like, I think that's what she's doing regardless. You can tell she's almost egging him on because she just is is desperately craving for him to say something that even remotely mimics caring for her or caring even slightly about this the state of their relationship. You know? And like, I think what's so painful is his apathy to her. Like in addition to how he clearly kind of hates her, they always say the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. And 
his apathy is, I think, something that was really jarring for her. She almost was looking for a reaction because at least a reaction would be indicative of some level of care. Right. But he just treats her like the dirt on the bottom of his shoe. I can feel her energy that she at least is trying to find a way where they can be like nice co-parents. And I think that that's obviously not too much to ask. And I think what she's looking for is like, I've seen people get divorced. I've seen terrible divorce. I've seen cheating, but somehow they find a way to be respectful for to each other for the sake of the children. And he is not even willing to do that. You know, you want your kids to be happy. I, I There's no reason behind any of it and then to hear how awful he's being also to his own parents who like literally kiss the ground that he walks on and also again had nothing to do with this situation maybe they're trying to be supportive of Lisa because that also means being supportive of the kids but it just I really think she is justifying it but also it is partially true that he's like having a full midlife crisis He's having a full-blown midlife crisis. It's almost like he is so upset at anything that even remotely ties him to the life that makes him feel constrained, meaning his parents, who of course view their son in a way that they want to be like a respectful man and father, and then his ex-wife, who is putting what he sees as demands on him. It's almost as if he so badly wants to be able to just be invisible for a little bit and go live his partying life with this new 20-something-year-old girlfriend that, that he's dating and buy her diamond Rolexes and like call it a day. And I think it's not only that he's so mad at these individual people, he's so mad at the responsibilities that he just kind of has as being like a, a father and someone involved in a divorce and a son. It's, it's, it's very, very wild. And he really, you know, I, I, I'm not prepared to say like, Lisa was 100% perfect him and he was terrible. We don't know what went on in their relationship. It's just to treat someone like this that you were married to who's the mother of your children. I can't imagine that. And if we can't imagine it, I cannot imagine what it feels like for her. I know. I'm curious if we'll see any more of him this season. Like We saw a little bit of that clip beforehand, but not to the extent that I thought we were going to get like basically a full scene of it and understanding like what it felt like in her home at the time. So I hope we get more. I mean, for her sake, by the way, like for us to all be able to understand it and feel the tense energy in the room, like it, it's it's like when you have to like tell a story to your friend, but then they're actually able to like see it or hear it or understand it. It hits, like you said, totally different. It's like if you're having an argument with a boyfriend and you're trying to tell your friend just about how unreasonable they're being and your friend gets it, but like she can't fully understand it. And then while you're together, he calls and you're like, holy shit, I got to put this on speaker. That's it. There's no more validating feeling than when you can watch them hear the person that you've just been talking about. Exactly. And in this case, it honestly only benefits her because sometimes what she's saying is like so physically unbelievable. It's almost like you can't picture him being so disgusting and then you see it and you're like oh yeah he is truly that disgusting oh yeah it's it's not an act the other thing is i was so not expecting joanna krupa to show up in a flashback via nicole's therapist <laughs> friend <laughs> i so appreciate the bravo editors understanding that even though joanna and roman are literally nowhere nothing involved with the show at all anymore and have not been for 10 years that flashback is important to us like people who just started in the last two seasons are probably like what the fuck is going on? But they knew that that would just, it would hit and it did. And I appreciated it immensely. It hit also because when I saw her, I was like, wait a second. I know you from somewhere. I never would have 
drew it back to that. But I knew that I recognized her face. And the second that flashback came on, I was like, thank you, because I would have been bothering myself about this all day. Yeah. And I love when it like actually feels like a real life connection. Like she's a real good therapist who's connected, is in the group. Her and Nicole are really friends. Like she's been on the show filmed before. Like I just, I love that. And I think it also, not only is it just like amazing for us as viewers, but it sort of like gives the show a little bit more, I guess legitimacy is the wrong word, but it's just like connects the pieces of like, see, this really is a real society. Like that's not just a paid actress who came in it's real. Like there's a real ecosystem of Miami going on here and you get to be a part of it and put the pieces together. Yeah. It feels like more depth. It's not like when they do a, you know, a lie detector on Vanity Fair and they have a person operating the lie detector machine that they so clearly hired just for that one job. It doesn't feel like there's a therapist hired just for one scene. I agree. And, you know, right. what I also appreciated is that we're really getting to see Nicole process her relationship with her dad in real time. It's not bullshit. It's a very real storyline that's happening. And I think that she would probably look back and I wonder if she'll say this at the reunion that doing the show and having to reflect on it in such a way and then be able to rewatch footage has been very transformative for her. I don't know exactly in what ways I I would reserve that until she kind of says it, but I don't think she's ever really had to think about it in this way because she was so used to following the story she said in her mind. And now she's being challenged by various people to like really think that through. And I just think it's very, very interesting to watch her mind kind of work through it. She's open to thinking about it, which I can appreciate. And I wonder how she feels actually watching it back. You know, sometimes you can watch back and look at it from a different perspective than when you're actually in the moment overwhelmed at your own party so on edge of making sure that everything goes perfectly like then what do you think do you think he did a good job that's the beauty of having this show when it comes to situations like this it's like sometimes if we'll record and after i'll be like i that was unusable like i'm so self-conscious about it and then we listen back and i'm like wait it actually wasn't as bad as i thought or vice versa you know like you really don't know when you're in it especially when you're thinking about it so much and then you look back and by the way it could go the opposite way i have no idea how she's gonna feel but just in general i don't think that this level of introspection about the issue is something that she is used to because she was so used to her default. That's like what became her protection mechanism. Like my dad is like this and I feel about him X way. And in her defense, like he's repeated his actions in a way that's made her feel that way. But I I do wonder now, you know, how, how she's viewing it. You know, this, I know that this is a common experience because I've seen people post about it before, but Sometimes when you go on like your own Instagram and you like, okay, if I was this person, what would I think of me? Or if I was this person, what would I think of me? Like you look at things from playing a different perspective. I almost feel like having footage of your own family like that, watching it as a viewer and taking yourself out of the situation, like I just said, when you were living it to say, okay, if I'm watching this just as a viewer, if I'm watching this as one of my friends, like Marisol at the party, thinking my dad's just a great time, you know, like he's, he's a nice guy, obviously that digs so much deeper when it's your own father. But what would I think of him then? Like, that's a gift that a lot of people don't get getting to actually relive exactly what happened. Because let's say this wasn't filmed. She could write history however she felt it. Like she could remember him being a certain way and it not be the truth. But that's what stuck. And that was what was her perspective. But you get the actual footage. I just can't imagine how honestly helpful that could be or hurtful. But in this case, I think it could be helpful like in her journey. That's exactly how I feel about Lisa though, meaning 
what we just saw in that scene with Lenny, like that's rock bottom. That was terrible. And she's so in it. I think it will be helpful for her to see that footage in a year. And even if she still is so upset by all this, she can make the conscious separation of like, okay, yes, I have a long ways to go in terms of getting through this, but wow, look at, look at what I went through. You know, it's almost like it's different, but in the Stutz documentary with Jonah Hill and his therapist, he was saying that on the day that his brother died, he came into therapy and his therapist asked, can I take a photo of you? And he almost like wanted him to have that day memorialized to be able to see kind of his progress. That's kind of a much reduced explanation that isn't entirely what he said, but it it does it. It forces you to like separate yourself from this dark time and in a way show your progress. And it's true. Most people don't have, you know, that intangible form. And that, folks, are the hidden benefits of being a housewife that you didn't know about. (laughs) It's not just promoting your skincare line on Instagram. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college... I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company. 
and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. I would like to preface the Salt Lake City section by saying that I swear to you and to all of you guys that I went into it really with high hopes of thinking that I would leave understanding what was going on more than I had at any time throughout the season. Because the thing about a reunion, aside from clearing some things up, is it's a built-in recap. You know, Naturally, in order to retell the season, they have to give you some flashbacks. And I was like, wow, everything that I didn't understand is going to come back to me like I never forgot. <laughs> and then... This shit came on and I was like, what are they talking about? You remember the feeling when you would be out sick from school for a week and you'd get back to math class after missing like three or four days and it's a new language basically? That's how I felt. Like, hold on. I was here the whole year and you're telling me I now understand nothing? Like, I did not know what was going on. There were times that they were in conversations where, honestly, it was stuff that didn't even go on on the show for half the time. So that's confusing. It's also confusing when the friends of come on and are such stronger cast members than the actual cast. And also, cherry on fucking top, Jen Shaw, who is the center of the drama, usually brings the heat and had so much going on in her life isn't even fucking there. And the one time that they decide to phone her in is not for anything interesting, not for the black eye, not for any legal stuff. It's about some rumor about them doing shrooms one time. I know. (laughs) What I was saying to myself when when they did that, I was like, Meredith, you got yourself one phone a friend and you're going to use it for this shit? Like, own the shrooms, by the way. (laughs) That's the thing that you're going to deny. That's the thing that I would have leaned into. Right. It makes it a little interesting. I was going to say, yeah, please. Who am I to knock that? I mean, this – I I am so on your page. It was like when I would be in physics, by the way, not not missing one class, just every single day. And I'd be looking at the teacher like, there is no way you are talking. You're telling me this is English because I <laughs> trying to tell me about Newton. I've never heard about this guy in my life. Like that is how I felt really <laughs> as if I was transported back to like 10th grade physics. I, that's such an amazing analogy. It was very, very hard. And you're right. It's like I, if I had my choice, I swear to God, I'm not just saying this, I would not want Jen there because – specifically after that DM we got last week that we talked about and like going back to the Bravo docket and hearing the extent of her crimes. I think she's a disgusting human being and I genuinely think it is the correct call that she has not given any more attention. However, it was factually more difficult to have some of these conversations without her there. So like I was grateful she didn't have a platform, definitely was the right call, but also it limited the amount of discussion that could be productive. So it, it was, they were already screwed and then not having Jen there, you know, Jesus. I, I agree with you. I honestly went in saying, okay, we're out of the weeds here. We're not in regular season of episodes. Hopefully the reunion, everyone had like a minute to pause and it'll really organize everyone's thoughts and what went down. But it just didn't. I needed like in Molly's game where there was a little like overlay on the side, like drawing webs and showing the cards and explaining how things went down. That's what I needed. I needed like almost a sports commentary to give me an explainer of it. But even so, like, I don't even know if I'm that interested, honestly. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's not just the lack of understanding what's going on and the forgetting about the individual fights they're talking about. It really, if we're going to keep ourselves honest, it comes down to a lack of care. I am never going to be as invested in whether or not Angie Harrington said that Lisa's doing 
sexual favors to get Vita tequila stock. Like that's just not doing it for me in the way that I know it's meant to. And honestly, the thing I would have held on to the most is if Heather came out with a real explanation about the black eye and she did it. And like, as she was talking, I wanted to believe her. And I do, I think she does have a lot of shame and guilt surrounding you know, drinking as it applies to her former Mormon background and all of that. Like I, I get it, but still it, it wasn't the clarity of an explanation that I craved. And I, it, is it terrible to say that? Like it just didn't feel as authentic as I wanted it to. I guess if she had said, I feel so much shame around blacking out and also how I dealt with the situation, maybe I would have felt a, it was a little more real, but I just think the whole went it went down was like a little embarrassing. I mean, maybe she didn't know, but fine. For the first day or something, figure it out. But then to also be like saying that in your confessionals and on social media and lingering it on and on. Like, honestly, I feel like Andy was kind of pissed. Like, you can't just make things like up like that. And even Lisa was saying like, that brings other people into it. There was an investigation, production. You were sort of like hinting that other people could have been involved. I mean, so many things, not that I necessarily believed any of them, but it is kind of sensitive. And I don't know. I just didn't like her manipulating the story like that. And I wish in this moment of like clarity of saying, yeah, I was just blacked out and I was ashamed about that. She also said, and I'm really ashamed with how I handled it, but I don't think she really was. Like she almost was trying to justify it. Well, what really got me is, I was on board with her when she said the thing about the shame. Like, I don't think that's anyone's place to say whether or not that was the case. I fully believe her when she says that it was. Where she lost me was when she said, you know, I said I knew so that the cast couldn't make up stories. That I was like, there's no way. you. I can get on board with you feeling as though you were ashamed of what happened. I can't get on board with you thinking that anyone else was going to successfully make up a story about the night. There's that's That's not it. And I also could tell that she really gets dragged into Jen's bullshit when – I forget which one of them was saying it, but that Jen was saying like, how are you going to tell them that it happened? Like, what are you going to say? You know, should we say this? Should we say that? The drama of it all and just really trying to like make something out of nothing or – I don't really know. I mean, that's just the Jen Shaw way clearly and I guess – Heather just is under her spell still, still. She's still saying, yeah, even if Jen did it, I probably would have protected her and covered it up for her. Well, she was asked point blank, why was Jen your first call the next morning? And she said, because I trusted her the most to come up with the cover story. You know, like that's, I just wish I would, what I wanted to say is like, it didn't need to be that complicated and you still could have explained where you were coming from in a way that felt one more authentic into a little bit more simple. And it just, it didn't give you the satisfaction that I think you were craving. Yeah. By the way, the best part of the reunion was the very beginning when they're still in their trailers. And when he says to Lisa, do you think we're going to be sitting next to each other? And Lisa says, there's no one else I could sit next to. And I was just like, what? Oh <laughs> Wait, what's going on? How did we get here? Put a GoPro in the glam trailers and call it a day, honestly. I would have been more down with that, I think. I mean, it certainly would have been more interesting and lighthearted. This was just dark. And also at BravoCon, remember they did a Salt Lake City panel and it was just the four of them, no Jen. That was like a mini reunion then. And again, it was so dark. Like there's four women. They all basically don't like each other or have any relationships. And they're fighting over bullshit that we don't know or care about. So it's 
there's something's got to be done. I really feel passionately about it. Like, honestly, I was watching in the kitchen and I was so uninterested. And my mom was like, which one is this? Salt Lake City? I thought you loved that one. I'm like, yeah, we've taken a really dark turn. And it's true. Like, we didn't always hate it. We loved it. No, there was a time where we didn't only love it, we deeply looked forward to it. It's really been a 180 in an unfortunate direction. I'll tell you though, Dana came in pretty hot. And when they showed that full clip of her saying, you know, you better be nice to me, at least if, especially if you want something on your books or whatever that quote was, hearing a more lengthy explanation of what went down was interesting. And I liked how she is seemingly the only one in the group that will actually effectively stand up to Jen in a way that <laughs> is necessary. But another moment that was good was when. Angie Kay and Meredith are going at it and Meredith says something to her like, please, you've been trying to get on the show for the last three years. That's one of those things where it's like, I actually don't agree with the way that Angie Kay has handled a lot of things this season, but that was a good read. Yeah, no, that was a good read. And honestly, maybe true, maybe embarrassing, but also put her on the fucking show. She deserves it. She's kind of what we need. <laughs> also, like, we genuinely need her for numbers. Like, you don't got to put her, but put someone else because we're we're down to four. Right. Like this show is now just becoming like uh, keeping up with the Kardashians about one freaking family. That's what I'm saying. And it's, of course, there's so many other aspects to Miami that make it so exceptional, but do not sleep on the role that having a larger cast plays. Because the second you get slightly bored with someone's storyline or you feel that it's devoting too much attention, you immediately can hop to someone else. And that's a huge thing that's lacking here. Yeah, totally. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. There was a lot that happened this episode that kind of caught me off guard. No part of me was even remotely expecting that Karen was about to explain in detail why she believes Juan wants to have a threesome with her. But what really rocked me was at the end when we find out that Mia tells Wendy she wants to eat her box. I was like, wait, you guys were just hating each other a few episodes ago, and now you're trying to, like, go down on her? I think it was because they realized they both like to have their room cleaned, and honestly, I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, you trying to get involved? <laughs> but also, 
also they were just everyone was unfucking hinged this episode and again those potomac editors strike they're giving me law and order karen huger grand dame <laughs> graphics they're giving me a sketch of a, like a missing person <laughs> sketch of Karen Huger in her confessional basically describing the woman that Juan Dixon was seen walking around Georgetown with. Like, I am having the time of my life watching this. And truly, it is all – it's thanks to the women for being on vacation and just really going for it. And it's also thanks to the genius editors behind the scenes who I'm sure are just laughing their asses off as they come up with this shit. <laughs> what about the very vivid audio of Giselle's stomach grumbling? <laughs> <laughs> like they did her so dirty <laughs> it was just no this this was so good there was so much happening i mean okay to back to wait by the way just to go back to the mia wendy thing for a second did you see on watch what happens this week when andy asked her about that and she's like i mean depends is eddie there or not and and g is fully on board he's like yeah that he's if eddie's it i'm down <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i love it i know but yeah i mean okay Robin and Karen, this shit was wild because I felt like they both were just all bets are off, you know, like gloves are off. They they don't care at this point. Right. It's like once someone broke the seal, it was sort of like the waterfall came in of, well, I heard this and I heard that and this is what I've always thought about you. And like it really went there. And I think it actually really hurt Karen, but I also think it sort of made us realize that they've never really had that strong of a relationship or never seen eye to eye. And I guess like I didn't really know or notice it. And I always sort of thought it was a Giselle thing because of Giselle and Karen's relationship. But now to see that they personally, like Giselle completely aside, Giselle actually kind of getting along with Karen, they really butt heads. Yeah, because you want to know something that that was really obvious. It was that it wasn't just what they were talking about. There was clearly so much built up upset. Like when Robin was going against Karen, it it got venomous, you know, like she had some saved up, stored up energy that she had just been waiting to exert. And you could really see it so much to the point where she's showing the phone and you could feel Karen's blood pressure rise when Robin is showing every other person at the table this phone with this apparent photo of her with this guy and Karen can't see it. It was like, I almost felt like she was transported to middle school and like the the kids at recess are doing something on their phone and they won't show you, you know? Yeah. It was so annoying. Like Karen kept being like, let me see. And Robin's like, nope, not for you. Like, ha ha, teasing you. It, oh, it was just, it was really something. I feel like the theme of this or at least this part of the season, specifically coming from, you know, Robin and Giselle, is that they feel as though Karen has been operating above it all, which is what we've always said. Like in some ways she has, and they're finally kind of pulling the the plug on that. And it happened rather abruptly. I mean, to go in just the course of a few episodes from Karen being not untouchable, but pretty separated from anything really going on and removing herself intentionally to all of a sudden she's now and her own drama is involved in a way that's like inescapable. I don't think it's something that she saw coming. It's not a spot she likes to be in. No, 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 definitely not. But it, yeah, it did happen really fast and they all just had so much to say. And I honestly don't think Karen saw it coming. I was more surprised at how I think the real start of it was how Karen treated Sharice at that dinner. And I was not expecting everyone to go so hard and side so firmly with Sharice. And that's sort of what happened. And that was like 
Karen's downfall in a way, but I don't think she was expecting that. You know, they like Sharice. She's around, but they really ran to her side when push came to shove. And that's sort of what happened here. And then the floodgates opened. Oh, the floodgates were open. And I do wonder if like on a scale of one to 10, her most honest, not in a confessional, not not to the ladies, like if someone genuinely asked her, like, how bothered are you by them talking about all of this in a way that is now accompanied with potential proof, what Karen would say, because she's trying so hard to portray what seems like a woman who's totally unaffected. And I don't believe that that's the case. I think that as we've talked about numerous times throughout all of the seasons, the idea of not only her marriage to Ray, but also what she believes it signifies is very important for her. Almost the view of it being this like solidified, untouchable thing is perhaps more important than what it actually is. And this just like objectively rocks the boat on that. Yeah, no, she's definitely bothered. And I think there were moments we saw that. And I feel like she tries to give it back to them, but this also was sort of a gang up. Like, at that point, it was a lot of people against Karen and no one really backing Karen. I mean, Candace, I'm loving, and I think she's been very uninvolved, which has been good for her. But it's at the same time, it's like, I don't think Karen really knew what to do or how to handle it. No, she didn't. I think Karen is great at offense and sometimes maybe struggles a little bit with defense. Also, as a side, did you see the headline this week that apparently – Robin and Juan are married that we're going to see it on the finale. Yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm mixed that like we know. Like I almost wish we didn't know because of the shock of it. We'd be like, holy shit. But I'm happy for them. You know, I didn't ever believe that they weren't going to get married. I think they just both were being kind of lazy and not prioritizing it. And honestly, especially after hearing Juan on the phone this week, I think he fucking hates being on the show. Like, I don't think he likes being filmed. I don't think he cares about what people think and explaining anything. And that definitely plays a role into it. Like, he didn't want to just get married for it to be on the show or get married with it on the show at all. Oh, you can tell he is not down for it. I think that he is very aware of the real life consequences that what some of the women say has on him. I mean, by the way, like, I don't even want to get too much into it and we can try to find a link and put it in the description if, if we do. But since that episode aired on Sunday, there's definitely been a lot of things circulating online about, you know, some women that allege they had potential affairs or relationships with Juan as recently as a year or two ago and text messages. I mean, not the most concrete proof, but definitely some things where, who knows what is true and what is not. And I I do think it's a fair argument to say like, he just wants nothing even brought up. However, his response to Robin on that phone call when she was in the store with Ashley is potentially indicative of a man that is really enjoying some things not coming out. You think? I don't know. I mean, I don't think he's completely innocent, but I think that reaction was a lot more of like, oh my God, these girls again like you're gonna get brainwashed don't listen to them this is bullshit like i i don't know maybe but i i have gone down a bit of a tiktok rabbit hole i just don't know what to believe anymore no listen i think anyone even someone who's not engaging in anything not kosher would not be thrilled at that going on like i'm not someone who subscribes to the belief system of well if it wasn't true why are you getting so defensive like what do you mean? Why am I getting so defensive? If I know that that's not my character and you're publicly assassinating it, of course I'm going to be defensive. Wouldn't it be weirder if I wasn't? Like, I don't believe that type of reaction is incriminating. So I'm on board with what you're saying. I'm just saying on top of that, it is possible that he's like, you know what? 
I know the second this is brought up on the show, people are going to start digging and I don't necessarily need people digging because honestly, and this may be crazy, I could absolutely see a world in which like Robin knew some shit and it was benign enough that it didn't bother her and they had a conversation and they're both willing to kind of just like keep going. I don't think that's the craziest thing. Yeah, like they dealt with it. They yeah. dealt with it. Like I think there's something to be said for them being like, we're making it work the second time. We have kids. We went through hell both together and separate. Like <laughs> through hell and high water, we're gonna we're gonna make this happen. And so I almost feel like they're both bothered by this coming up because for Robin, I don't think it's the shock of even hearing it, but if there is a world in which it's true, I totally could see them just dealing with it behind closed doors. Me too. It would just be so much easier. Yeah. I mean, to end it with the me and Wendy thing, and I know we kind of started that but the the prior conversation like it did feel genuine honestly i didn't think that it was bullshit no it did feel genuine i think that they needed to be away from all of the other women to actually like see eye to eye and realize where everything came from and also that they actually could have a nice relationship and they maybe would like each other and that they just got off on the wrong foot and i think it took a minute they both needed to sort of like figure it out on their own and be ready to like have that conversation. And then they realized they both were, they sat down and I hope it sticks. You know, I wouldn't be mad at that Alliance. I would not be mad at it either. I think also me is realizing that uh, this Jacqueline friendship is having some irreversible consequences at the moment. That is like so fucked up. I know we keep saying it every week and I don't mean to sound repetitive because there's like really no more you can analyze because nothing more has happened, but that is the definition of something that, yes, is filmed, but is not dramatized. Like, that is not a good no. situation. It keeps getting darker and darker, honestly. Yeah. No, it does. I liked this episode, though. There was a lot happening. And then just the, the reunion looks. I mean, Candace, fuck me up. I love me some Candace this season. No, she's killing it in so many ways but her look specifically oh my god her and those orange sunglasses and that gucci denim hat at lunch took me out no but what about her on the reunion that to me i think no, she, gorgeous gorgeous honestly the, the thing about potomac is like even when i don't like their individual dresses i appreciate the way that they are so cohesive whereas like sometimes beverly hills you, you're wondering like did you guys all get different instructions whereas oh, last, potomac, they, last reunion was rough I mean, if we're putting it on a scale, as anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while knows, let's all say it together. Worst of all time was the Orange County reunion where Bronwyn was in combat boots. And Shannon was in her skater outfit. You know better yeah. than to bring that up around me. I know. I'm sorry. I didn't get <laughs> It's your blood pressure, okay? <laughs> yeah, no. But I mean, this is on a whole other planet. Coordinating, black tie, custom, the glam, all of them. Honestly, even Giselle looked really good. And they, it was, they really brought it. I'm so, so happy. Royal blue was such an amazing color choice. Like they just all looked amazing. magnificent. Yeah, yes. really so into that. Is there anything else that you would like to mention about anything? I think that's it. It was a good week of episodes. I mean, besides Salt Lake City, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. I had so much fun. I really had a lot of fun this week. We are getting so close to the big three, Jersey, Summer House, Vanderpump coming back. I'm ready. I'm so excited for Summer House, Isabel, in a serious way. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. Okay, well, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. Julie and I will be back next week for our regular episode. And 
We'll see you next week for Kardashians and Bravo. We love you guys. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.